I like the gobija over the lab. Like I have mine too over my lab because my room's freezing. <laughs> yes, I'm like, it's good. And it's cool. It's like one of my favorite ones. It's like not fuzzy, but it's really warm. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I have one of those too. I it's like your Mexican blanket, but it's like not. I've had it. Mary loves this story. So this blanket. It's the elephant blanket. It's always known as the elephant blanket in my family. My mom hates it because it was given to my parents as a wedding present by my dad's ex-girlfriend. For some reason, ever since I was little, this has been my favorite blanket. And so when I went away to college, I was like, take it or else it's getting burned like one or the other. <laughs> and so I always be joke when it's like this time of year. My mom's like, I bet you you took out your elephant blanket already. And I'm like, yeah, it's on the bed. <laughs> But to get us started on this early morning, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you study or what you do and a little bit of kind of how you got into that? Yeah, I, I can tell you, um, I feel like I'm right now, I'm in between a lot of things. So it's not necessarily a coherent thing. And it might, it's a little bit of a long story. So when I came into grad school, I've always been really, really interested in language, right? So I was like, I'm going to do language justice and like look at the way that folks are using language uh and as I kept taking more classes I started falling in love with like how or I think I understood that I was really interested and and I loved the idea of like partnerships and how universities were partnering with local communities to honor the voices of local communities specifically youth so I was really interested like how are like resources being distributed? Because there's this tendency of like the university being like, we're doing research, we're doing research, we're doing research and just going into the community and being like, here, this is what we're offering and never really having a dialogue and a, an open conversation. So completely fell in love with that, realized I could study that. So then I, I did that uh, for my master's. And as I was going through my master's, I was like, oh, this is really interesting, like university community partnerships. I was like talking with um, with faculty and staff and seeing just like what is going on for you? Like, how is this happening? How are conversations uh, sp uh, sparking up or like naturally or how are you connecting with folks? Um, as I kept working through that, I realized that that was part of what was like fulfilling for me, but not like, oh, my God, I want to do this for the rest of my life or like for years on end. So I was actually at ARA last April and I was with my cohort and we were having a conversation and I started sharing about my identity as being undocumented and how that has shaped my whole education career. And I think it was one of the first times where there was a group of other like academics that I consider that were like really listening and evaluating my experience. And I feel like up to then, every time I, I read literature around being undocumented, I would, it was like a trauma response that I kept like, like I would just cry and not be able to get through readings. But then since then, so since April, I started journaling and like talking through it. Uh, with uh, with folks and like talking through it with my family and my mom specifically and my brother. Um, so then now I'm in the space where I'm like in the PhD milestones for like my comps and I decided that that's what I want to look at and every time I read now I'm like wow like this is fulfilling like I see that or I see that with my friends so now I'm still looking at the way that resources are being um, distributed but specifically with undocumented students in higher ed and the more that 
I look at that, the more that I'm like, wow, like there's so much that needs to be done and there's not enough literature. So when I was first conducting my <laughs> literature search, I had only I only found four articles referencing uh, graduate student and undocumented graduate students in graduate school. After that, I, I found more, but there's more like I've only found like 10. So it's like, like there's I'm a lot just, needed, right? A lot needed. Right. So that's where I'm kind of going. I feel like I might still I, I, I refuse to to believe that it's that few articles. So now I'm like, I'm missing something. I'm not Google searching correctly. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'll find more. And I, I have some conversations lined up to support with that. But that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm just like figuring out and like really transitioning into something that's such a big part of my identity and yeah. like figuring out how that works yeah. for others as well. I think Mary and I, more than anyone that we've met, we've had a call on conversations about this, but it's like when the work is informed by your personal experiences in your life, I think it gives it so much more meaning and so much more richness, at least in my book of like when there's something driving it because I feel like I can read it I can read an article and know that someone has some sort of personal connection because you can see the like for lack of a better word like you see the passion behind the work and I think that makes it 10 times better um and so I like at least that's what I strive to do it also like in my mouth since it's like what am I currently passionate about what keeps me going what do I relate to and then because then when you do find articles you're like oh, you kind of got it wrong or, oh, you kind of got it right or you find it frustrating or you find it amazing and you get excited about the process of it, right? Rather than researching something that you're like, well, it's interesting, but like I can leave it at the end of the table and not think about it for the rest of my day and I'd be okay, right? And I think that's a very different way. And I think it makes things harder a lot of the time. Um, But you do bring up something really interesting to me. And I think it's something that a lot of students kind of coming into grad school don't think about a lot and it's that it's okay to kind of change your focus in grad school and it's okay to shift I'm just kind of interested in like when you kind of started having these new interests or these new emerging areas that you were interested in was that ever like a heart shift for you to do of like no I have to keep it on the straight path that I came in with I can't deviate I can't get distracted by all these other interest areas yes I think like I so many things come up in my brain right but I think I don't know if I'm gonna. I, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. I don't know if anyone has read that book. Okay, so that book, um, I feel like I identified with both the older sister and the younger sister, but definitely I am the oldest daughter. In uh, I mean, we're all we all came here, right? So, even that personally, that like immigrant mindset of like work harder, work harder, and and leaving that behind, like and recognizing that that is not sustainable for me and that's not the life I want. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I have, I think that was like the perfectionism of like, this is what I said I was doing. This is what I was going to, this is what I'm going to do. And like knowing when to be okay with leaving that, that's taken therapy. Oh yeah. We <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah. It's taken, it's taken a lot of work, a lot of journaling, a lot of talking to folks. I think that I'm very blessed and privileged that I my mom is like my number one supporter and I know that from the bottom of my heart. So whatever it is, I can tell her. And being outside of academia, she's like, well, they're people. Talk to them. And I was um I was co-advised and both my advisors when I would bring things up, they would be like, okay, like, well, let's explore that. And like, well, there was some like that's not my area. Or like, but there was always like, oh, talk to this person. Yeah. 
so I feel like there was internally this re- like resistance of like no I have to be perfect and like this is this is what I said I was gonna do but then being like okay well actually that class wasn't really that interesting like I'm gonna move this way so my cohort I know I'm gonna probably reference them a lot we were we are a bigger cohort and I think everyone's like so broad in interest that I could talk to different folks and like that helped sort through my brain and like be okay with being like actually I'm interested in this part of this so that book um I read it a while ago but I think it keeps coming back to me and reminding myself like I don't have to be perfect yeah (laughs) and it's I mean it's also that like like identify you because it is like that eldest daughter complex and I am still working through that one (laughs) um but it's that like yeah that you have to have your life together right you have to have your life together because everyone is looking to you to have your life together and it doesn't get helped out when you've also been the kid that's like good at school Mm -hmm. and because it's get it gets reinforced in school I think a lot you're like oh look at this girl she's so good she's so quiet she does what she needs to do and it's rewarded and then you get to high school and it keeps being rewarded and then you get to college and it's like you kind of keep going for it and then you get to grad school and I think this is where I've noticed where things really shift it's like the because you are making I don't think anyone comes into grad school and comes out of it exactly the same with the same interests, with the same percent, like every, everything shifts just a little bit for everyone. And like change is such a a painful thing sometimes to reckon with that. I think I identify completely with what you said of like, that. like, I'm not used to change. I'm used to like being the stable one, right? I'm not used to be the one that like shifts around and tries things and sees how they fit and then if it doesn't fit that's okay right it, it, it takes a while to kind of get used to that and so I think that's something that like a lot of students don't think is such a big part of grad school at least I didn't I thought like oh when you come into grad school you come in knowing exactly what you're going to do and then you just learn more about it and then you're done right but it's it's so not that process and I like that you mentioned that it's like a lot of it is just talking to people you talk to your cohort members, you figure out what are their interests and how does that influence my interest? And I know with Mary, sometimes we've been talking in the car and she'll say something. I'm like, oh, that's actually like a really good way of thinking about it. Maybe that applies to my work in this way. And it, it shifts things around. Right. And so it is such a very kind of going back to what your mom said, like it's just talking to people. It's talking to people and being open for the changes that brings with it. And I think you said something about like, just being able to change and if it doesn't fit oh well and I think in my life it's like if it doesn't fit then it's like what did I do wrong and like yeah internalizing Mm -hmm. that oh yeah and it's been a process of like unlearning that and being like okay no like if someone just texts me hey Fatima it is not that I did something it's maybe just a question yeah I think it comes a lot from like just the way that I was raised and the responsibilities I had right but then I think something that as you were talking made me think about like respectability politics right and the way that I and the way that I got through like the schooling system and all the like she's good she's manageable like she's easy to get along with like here here right and I I recognize how much that's helped me get into UCSB and once I got to UCSB as like a first year because I did under like as an undergrad I was still able to like navigate the institution more smoothly because I was so quote unquote mm-hmm. like 
and I was so quote unquote easy to work with. And when that clicked in my brain that I was like, what am I doing? Like, I was like yeah. a whole identity crisis as like a 20 year old. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think you mentioned in a conversation that it was a, like, like I, I come to campus like blasting my music, great. Right? And I primarily only listen to music in Spanish. I will speak Spanish most of yeah. the time. And like, I'll wear like stuff that identifies me as like, someone that is not necessarily part of you like you know belonging at UCSB and that took a lot that's taken courage and like a lot of work with my mom to like work through that and be like well you know this is how I show up this is how my life is and that's a whole therapy session that I've had (laughs) we love it we love our therapists (laughs) shout out to grad student therapists you guys are doing the work because I'm like going into that I'm like oh I can go here but I'm like no 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 that's like a therapy (laughs) but I can I'm gonna know (laughs) I think it's like really I have appreciated the the referencing of like not being allowed to fail just because I think like again to your point Fatima of like you're tracked and marked as a good kid. And when every subject has been easy for you or every teacher has given you an opportunity to always do well, one, you don't have practice at not knowing and being really good or being at least comfortable with not knowing or being uncomfortable in terms of like your academics. There's a whole lot of other social context that goes into this, but like if you show up to grad school day one and every marker has been, you're great, you're wonderful, you know what you're doing. Oh my God, you're going to go to grad school and crush it because you already know what you want to do. And you get here and you're like, I don't know how not to know. And I also don't know how to talk to these people about like, I don't know and I don't know how to show up. So you don't think I'm dumb. And also like, help me, but don't give me the answer. But like, how do I not how do I not know? I don't know how to not know. And I'm supposed to know. So I'm not going to ask you any questions because I'm supposed to know. And if I ask you questions, that's going to mean I'm stupid, right? Because that's what I've been told all my life. And so you get to a place where you're like, oh, you're telling me I have to ask questions. How do I ask questions? Yeah. Drops mic. Legit. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, I've been sharing with folks, like the imposter syndrome has always been there, right? But I can like be like, oh, like, can reason my way through it I feel like I'm a very tend to be a logical person but right now I'm in comps like creating this reading list what is even comps I don't understand and it's like I've been asking people and I still don't understand and I've asked like am I just not getting it and it's it is like the imposter syndrome is so real right now and again like having these conversations with my mom and my mom like trying to like be encouraging but her encouragement has been like well you've always figured it out and I'm like that doesn't help right now and I know that's like her way right because she also doesn't like get what the grad school thing is she just knows that I want to be in school and that this is something that I want but it is like the imposter syndrome and like dealing with that and I think at the beginning we were saying like like your body is like revolting right of being in grad school and I think a lot of stuff have has been coming up for me this past couple of weeks because it's like I don't know how to deal with this much uncertainty like I'm okay with like five percent not like (laughs) the majority of it (laughs) yeah I even just like speaking right now because like recognizing what my body's doing and like how I'm feeling like a little like agitated admitting that I'm 
feel very like out of place right now because school has always been such a like a safe heaven where I'm like I can go there and just like ignore whatever was going on yeah it's rough and I think something that you said reminded me of I remember there was one time I was think I was during the pandemic and I was just feeling very lost in my classes and lost in my cohort and lost in the overall experience I remember crying to my parents and saying like school's the one thing I've always been good at and so I don't know what to do when I'm not good at it or what I'm feeling like I'm not good at it right um and it's hard it's hard to kind of get over that and kind of ha- learn how to work through that and I don't think there's an easy solution to it. I think every day, it's like you kind of figure it out every day and then you look back at it and it's like the thing your mom said of like, well, you'll figure it out. You've done it before, right? And it's like, yeah, I know I look back on that like and I'll be like, yeah, I figured it out. But in the process, it's so hard and it's so visceral and it's so consuming, I think, to do that. And a lot of it is like because you know, there is this hidden curricula to higher education sometimes. And part of that is like, well, if you need help, you have to ask. You're like, okay, but that's never been taught to me. And that's not part of the way I was raised to grow up. And like, for example, like I was raised of like, my parents always tell me like, you don't go ask the teacher questions. You don't go bugging her. You leave her alone. She's busy. You don't talk to her unless she talks to you. And so I'm coming in with that. And then I'm being confronted with the system that's expecting the other, right? And so, yeah. And I think it, I, as you were saying, like, just even asking questions and like being comfortable and like that, right? Like for me, what, coming to undergrad and hearing all of these like doctor, doctor, doctor. And I was like, oh, like, right. And um, I don't know, it came up in a conversation once where one of my biggest femtors is like doc like has this fancy title mm-hmm. right but I didn't know what her title was until like my fourth year of undergrad and then I was like oh my gosh but then that like <laughs> helped me like that I guess like first gen an awareness of like not like I don't know what these titles mean I don't know what you're doing like yeah I know your title but I ne- necessarily didn't understand the role of it yeah. um that helped me connect with her in such a humane way um and I know that she's still like in my corner and like I can turn to her for logistical things that I'm like this right uh but then that still doesn't take away like office hours I that didn't that didn't happen and now like I think going into my third year I've developed uh like some like I I guess professional friendships with some faculty but then it's still it's still like most other faculty in the department I'm just like like still really uncomfortable because it's just I had to handle business and asking for help and like requesting aid was not necessarily when needed to happen and I was like taught not to be like not to molestar like no molest yeah Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say that but yeah (laughs) yeah I just I've always found it funny when professors are like, please come ask me questions in office hours. Come bug me. Come talk to me about material. Let's criticize work together. And I'm like, do you really want that, though? Like, I can't tell if you're saying that just because you feel like you need to or if that's actually what you want me to do. And so, like, I've been raised with this other way. So I think you don't actually mean that. So I'm not going to go do it. (laughs) Um, And then 
you're like you get to the end of the road and you're like oh okay you really wanted me to do that oops my bad like I didn't know that yeah um no but office hours still scared me I don't do them Um, also like what if you don't have a question like I'm like I don't have a question I read the material I understand it I could summarize it back to you what do you want what do you want but I know I need to it's like like going back to what you said originally Diana like there's a hidden curriculum of you need to make these social connections but there's a politic behind that even more of like you need to know you need to do it and you need to know how to do it and like when faculty like you have a faculty advisor and they're like your boss essentially they're your supervisor so all all other faculty are also in that position of like your boss or your supervisor and I'm not just going to go like seek out other supervisors you know like I don't want more people paying attention to me yeah just let me live my life I am just like it's important for me to do it I just don't I want to be kept yeah at an arm's length I guess but I also like what you mentioned about the politics that I think that gets into at least for me what's irrelevant is like look at the demographic of faculty that universities have and then as me taking into consideration the fact that I am a woman of color and I am a first generation and I do come from an immigrant what are the politics involved of me going to a white man's office hours right or me going to someone who is an academic nepo baby and like the politics in that too of me like it I don't know which other way but sometimes it hurts it hurts to have to do that right and to have to navigate those politics that like kind of what we were both talking about of like your body takes the hit sometimes right like I've, I remember going into some like oh gosh I have to go talk to this person but I really don't want to talk to this person or I have to present this face and act this certain way because I'm in this person's presence and the politics are involved in it and your body just like locks it like locks up and you're like mm, your jaw clenches and and all of that and so I think I think that's often overlooked, right? When you have students who historically these institutions weren't built for, and then you're having to navigate them amongst people who they were built for and having to navigate those politics, right? Like, how do you, how do you show up? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, like I'll ask, depending on the class, I think I participate a lot, right? But then like there's other classes where I'm just like, I know what you're saying. I am keeping up, but like, I am not there. So I don't have questions. And then I'm like, do you know that I'm engaging? Like, I hope yeah. you do. Because, and, um, and yeah, how, how do I show up? And I think for me, it's so, my community is really important. Like I referenced, I referenced my mom's, my mom, right? Like my cohort, like, my I it was so important for me to make friends outside of UCSB um and I was really really intentional about that but then then that comes in with like how do I show up in the different circles that I am and how do I like do justice to the knowledge and the beauty that it is that is outside of UCSB that that's what comes up for me when I'm like thinking of like how am I showing up as a student how am I showing up as like a human being though in class and like acknowledging other people's existence and that we have so many things going on I'm wondering if you can speak to the politics of transitioning from undergrad at UCSB to grad student at UCSB because I'm sure you uncovered a whole lot of 
but like information. Yes, I can speak to that. Okay, so I did four years. Uh, I was a first time, like straight out of high school, I went into UCSB. And my undergrad was really fun. I definitely engaged to a lot of activities at UCSB. I was also really involved on campus. Um, right. So I was really involved and I was I would work with different folks and I feel like I knew my way pretty well around resources. But I feel like I was always being given. Now I can recognize I was being given this grace because it was like, oh, like she doesn't know like how cute she's figuring out. Like I remember the very first time I heard about grad school was through my femtor. And I was like, what's that? And like being the grace to just ask questions. Right. Like and yeah, I think I was being given so much grace of like look oh like how cute undergrads and I was really involved in like community outreach so I I was part of skills which like goes into like local high schools and does like work with with uh with students and then I was involved in the escuelita and we did like tutoring stuff with elementary school kids I was involved in the reading clinic which was also like work with little kids and like other projects right that we were like doing poetry and stuff so I was involved in like the community and that was like my favorite part and because I saw grad students leading these efforts, I was like, that's what grad school is like. I love it here. So then I became friends with some of those um, graduate students and they were in ed and I would see them like be stressed out, but they like enjoyed TAing and like enjoyed their students. And I was like, this is cool. Like, this is what I want to do. And then I came back <laughs> and... I it wasn't I I I wanted to be with my family so I already came back being like I don't really want to be at UCSB but I got a block grant for my first two years I was like okay there's funding for two years sure I know the resources and yes the resources I do know the resources and they are available but there are a lot less specifically as an undocumented human being so many less resources for graduate students and undergrads and I think that just makes sense because there's a bigger undergrad than grad population, but still like, you know, we, we help us out. So that was helpful. But then as I got to grad school, I realized it wasn't about community outreach, that there was very small pockets that were doing that. And that like, you had to be in a room and sometimes hear, hear things that I was like, how is this being taught in grad school? How are you saying that? How are you denying a whole like colonial history and like the violence that has been inflicted in like the world by the United States and saying like these things in graduate school and then hearing like other grad students like fetishize like different cultures and just like oh, you're yeah. just, I'm just like what like I did undergrad here like I've been part of these this PWI for a minute right like I'm very critical of it I just didn't expect that in graduate school nonetheless like in a education building where we're working mm -hmm. with children and like right engaging in whatever so I had to really navigate and like learn how to like have those conversations that I don't think I ever had in undergrad and if feels wider than it did in undergrad and also certain like who to ask for things like there's unspoken politics and relationships and you're just like did I cross a line like I'm sorry it just feels so so much more political 
than in undergrad. I think I was just being given this grace of like, hey, 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 look, you're so cute. And I now I'm like, oh, no, like that is not. And as a, yeah, as a graduate student, even cost of living is ridiculous here. So as an undergrad, I was, yeah, it was completely different than what it is now where I'm like, I I, I want my own room. I don't want yeah. to be in a triple. So it is, it's been a lot of like a whole different experience. Like even IV, like I don't go to IV because there were still up to last year, there were still people that I knew from my undergrad. Oh, now this is like, I'll go get coffee with you. I'll go get something, but I'm not going into IV and doing that because I TA yeah. and I am not trying to see. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, not trying to engage in IV activities. I'm interested in that. Have you had students that have been like people you knew in undergrad? And like, how do you navigate those relationships? Because it is a very like, hi, I'm your friend. I'm part of the same club as you versus hi, I'm your TA for the quarter. Yeah, I think that was more, I didn't have that specific, not TAing, but in a, mm-hmm. a supervisor's relationship. A couple, two of my sorority sisters were working for what I was the coordinator at the time. And it was like, ha ha ha, I see y'all on social media. I've seen you downtown. I've seen you get off this land shark. Ha ha ha. But here we are. So it was really interesting to like, be in a space where I was like okay like do this and like I do have like a pretty friendly working relationship with all the undergrads I worked with but it would get kind of awkward being like being invited to all of the sorority events I I would go to the academic stuff like I'd be like okay like this but I was like I think there's a line yeah so it was it was an intri- interesting that I think I think I did try to be involved in like my chapter because this is my chapter as well yeah. like I like there are my they're my sorority sisters but they're also my chapter sisters yeah. um so recognizing like I like how can I be involved but also keeping a distance it's hard it's sometimes I think we've talked a lot I think on this show about boundaries in terms of like boundaries how to set boundaries with faculty members or how to set boundaries with peers or with employers or supervisors but I don't think we've ever talked about like sometimes setting boundaries with kind of undergraduates right or setting boundaries with people that you've known in personal settings and now you know them in a professional setting and how to go about that because it is a little bit like like you mentioned it can be awkward and it can be a little bit clunky and and sometimes even if they don't pick up on it you're very conscious of it because you're very conscious now that you are you do have this professional aspect now that you have to pay attention to right I think also like I was it was a power role definitely even as much as I tried not to there is no way to get out of that um so even when I knew there were like downtown I would just kind of like wave or if they acknowledged me then I would acknowledge them but if not then I just like not because it was just like you're not at work you're being a human that is completely you but also on my when I do TA on my syllabus I'm like I am a human like blah blah blah, right and I do have a conversation the very first section that I'm like I'm a human if you see me downtown you see me downtown I love dancing so you might see me downtown sometimes being very upfront about like please let me exist outside of being your TA I'm just thinking about all my undergrads now that were like, we should get a beer. And I was like, literally, no. When you graduate, I will happily get a beer with you. But like, these are boundaries that I think as undergrads are really hard 
to understand because you're like, but you're so close to my age and we get along so well. And again, politics of relationships, but there's that maturity difference. And also like, if you have those desires for a work life and just like personal distance from those you supervise, you're not necessarily going to offer that free time. Okay. So I'm going to lead us into our last question. Why did you make the investment to go to grad school? Um, so, <laughs> so I didn't know grad school existed till my second year of undergrad. And then I was like, I'm doing that. Um, I think I really want doctora next to my name. That's a big, big thing, right? Like, but I think the deeper, more like, like if I can do it, anyone in my family can and like all the people like I grew up in uh, you know I grew up in Oakland and there was only certain blocks I could hang out in and like my friends were so it's just I think it's more of a representation thing um I'm the first in both sides of my family to go to college so I'm always like always like if you need help if you have any questions like I'm here and like I don't pressure it because like college is not you know can it's not all there's my brothers in trades and that's way more well paid than what it is not what I get paid so I think it was such a it's important for me as like a personal life goal but I think it really is important as well as like just representation and what it means for folks to show up and do work and take up space and be like actually I don't agree with that it's that whole thing of like it might be hard for me, but if I maybe get through it, then maybe it won't be as hard as for the next person coming through, right? Like I can I can shape the mold a little bit. I can chip away at the block a little bit. So the opening's a little bit bigger the next time. Yeah. And I think I do that. I try to do that in every position that I hold. Like, like what is it like as you're climbing, like make sure you're bringing people along. Yeah. And I really try to do that. And wherever, like in multiple jobs that I've held, that I'm just like, oh my God, this is so tiresome. Or like this, I really, really try to build structures to support the next person. And I think so far I've done an okay job about on it. And I feel like I can continue and have, continue to have the energy to do that because it is really tiresome and a lot of cries. Yes. Lots of tears are shed in the grad school journey. That is for sure. Uh, but you're doing great. You're Why doing don't they, great. they should tell us to buy stock in Kleenex before we come. I'm tell, I told Mary, like when you sign it, when you, the first day of grad school, like when you are at, what's that stupid thing they make us go, orientation. When you are at orientation, they should just be like, here is your packet. Here's your appointment with your therapist. And here is a supply of Kleenex that should get you through the next six years. Let us know if you need more, right? Like just to get you going. <laughs> Those are exactly what needs what needs to happen because <laughs> therapy, like, excuse me, we need it. It's, yeah. And then like your packet and yeah, you're going to cry. You are, yeah. there is no way that you're not going to cry through grad school. It just, you have to. I, I, I and if saying... we would just be transparent about it, like if if school would just be like, it's hard and we know it's going to make you cry and we can't burn this institution down right now. So just we're giving you some band-aids. Like if people would admit that on day one, so think much how easier. differently like things might have gone. Maybe yeah. we all would have been a little more prepared. 
Because everyone, I think, thinks that everyone has it together. That's the hard part. It's like everyone on the first day thinks, oh my gosh, everyone has it together. Everyone knows what they're doing. Am I the only one that doesn't? Like kind of going back to the imposter syndrome. But like there was just some transparency about how lost everyone either is or is going to be at one point. Then I think overall would be better. But hear me out, Mary. Brown girl and a white girl sponsored Kleenex at orientation. We could do it. (laughs) That's the packaging. How's that logo? Yeah, exactly. So speaking of the silly. (laughs) So we have a little surprise question for you. No preparation required. um, And you're not going to be flying solo. So me and Mary will also give our perspectives as well. Um, You get two passes. So you get a question. If you're like not feeling that this morning, you could pass on it and Mary will give you another one. If you're like also not the vibe this morning, you could also pass on that one. But if you pass two times, you have to answer the third question, no matter what. So Mary, what is our question for today? What's your grad school comfort food? My grad school comfort food. Okay, there's, oh, I can't, why can't I think? There's some, there's this ramen, like the budak, what's it, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, love it. Like, I will have, like, a whole meal that I made myself, but then I get home after a really long day, and I'm just like, I'm going to make myself some ramen because I can just eat it. It's really spicy, and I really like really like spicy food, so it's just like, like, it took me, like, five minutes to do this, and it was done, and I yeah. saw that it was done, and it just so... Oh, like, yes, like I can. And then sometimes like, I'll just like, you know, I'll pour it into my little plate. But there's been so many times that I'm like, do I just let it cool down so I can eat it off of the things? I don't have to wash an extra plate. But I'm like, no, it's gonna take too long to cool down. So I have this whole existential crisis at the moment. But I really love it because it's just so simple. Doesn't I don't have to think I just have can do it. And It has like a little soup too. Oh my God, I'm going to go get one now. (laughs) (laughs) My mouth is watering. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That sounds like a good comfort food. I love that. Okay, so I'm split. One of them is pizza. Because your girl can always down a pizza pizza. I am always down for a piece of pizza. Um, And I think a lot of it, I blame it on living in New York for a while. And just like pizza being a thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't found quite a slice that is as good as that, but I am always down for a piece of pizza. So if I have it in like the freezer and I come home exhausted, that is what I'll go for. I'll go for a piece of pizza, um, preferably with a side of hot Cheetos if available. Um, but I think like if it's not in my freezer, a PB&J. I don't know why, but I've come to rely on the peanut butter and jelly sandwich in grad school quite a bit. There's been days where I have it for like lunch and for dinner. So I'm always a fan of a PBJ. I don't know why it took me four years to get a toaster, but I just got a toaster. And so I'm like extra excited about the PBJ because now the bread is toasty. So yeah, I think that'd be that'd be my big one. I have now like I'm so into it that I buy my peanut butter at Costco, like the book ones and my jelly at Costco in the like pet dual packets because I just go through them so fast. <laughs> yeah, no, I commit. Um, so yeah, I would say PB&J and if available, pizza. I was also going to say PB&J. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like when Fatima, when you were like, I don't have to think about it. I can just put it in the microwave. I was like, wow, that's like making a PB and J. I don't have to think about it. Just put bread down, put the things on it and I can walk around with it. Or I can just like, if I want it to be cozy, I can toast it. If I want it to be like, if I'm not super hungry, but I want something comforting, I can fold it in half and I don't have to have a full one. I think also if I have to say comfort food, I really like chocolate chip cookies and I like to make them. I will eat a couple, but I really like the process of creating them from like monitoring your butter to the mixing to the baking and like being able to share them with other people. And I think like I like to bake, but specifically chocolate chip cookies is like a comfort food and that I have the ability to share them with others and they make other people feel nice. They really do make people feel nice, especially when they eat like 20 (laughs) in one sitting. Very nice. Thank you so much for being on today's podcast. We really appreciate you giving your time, especially because you were one of the people that was our pilot interviewee. So you helped us kind of get started. It's nice to have you back in an official capacity. One last question before we let you go. Um, How can people find you? Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you kind of pay, maybe even a paper you wrote or paper you just read? That's like, that's amazing. Um, Anything like that that you want to draw attention to? I'm on LinkedIn, but like don't really use it, but I do go on there occasionally. So it's Fatima Andrade Martinez. Very long name. Love it. Love it. My email too. It's literally my initial and my last names together. So if there's any questions or anyone wants to talk, I'm always happy to do that. I can talk for a long time. <laughs> We'd love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. Have a great rest of your day and we'll chat to you soon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. A special thank you to our guests for sharing their expertise and their time. This podcast is brought to you by Biana and Mary, founders and creators of the Brown Girl and the White Girl, the podcast. To learn more about future guests and episodes, tune into our social medias. You can follow us at BG and WG on Instagram and as a Brown Girl and a White Girl podcast on Facebook. If you have anyone you'd love to be featured on the podcast or topics that you want to be discussed, let us know at the link in our bio and episode description. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.